This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. All right, let's start. So this second session that we're going to be covering is called How to Start a Viral Infection. And we're just going to deal with some practical principles on how to do social media, uh, some best practices from people that we've been working with, people who are doing it well. I can't cover everything, but I am going to give you some people to watch, people to actually see what they're doing, how they're doing social media in an attractive way, and I hope it can be helpful, and some other basic principles. So I'm going to begin with a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll start. just invite you to bow your heads. I'll kneel. God in heaven, again, thank you for this privilege to have this time this morning, and I just pray that your presence would be among us, that you would speak clearly, and that we would know your will with crystal clarity on how to go forward, at least some basic principles. We love you, and we thank you, and we ask that you would speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. People will file in as we go. So, how to start a viral infection? I'm going to come back to that question. So how do we engage in social media in a safe, responsible, and evangelistic way? That's the question. How do we get stuff together? How do we do it? Well, for one, use social media as a means of building friendships and relationships with people without gaining a fondness for the things that ensnare them. Yeah? That's part of our end goal, our objective. Now, what do I post? I just did that. For one, do your homework. Who is it that you're wanting to reach, right? Because you can't do everything for everybody. So who is it that you're wanting to reach in social media, in your sphere of influence? Who are you wanting to tailor to? Who are you wanting to market to? Who get, what is it that gets their gears turning? Go to their Facebook page. Find out what is it that makes their gears turn. Go to their Instagram. Go to their Twitter. Find out what, what is it they're interested in. Are there things that we have a common interest in or that I could, in a principled way, address? Right? Those are things you need to look into kind of see what they're into. When posting, think about what you're saying and how the people who follow you or are friends with you would respond. A lot of times we post just out of selfishness, a random synapse fires, and oh, I should show someone this, or I should say this, or I just watched the news and I'm frustrated about this, I'm going to say something, or I just read someone else's post about something and I'm frustrated, I'm going to say this. The problem is we don't always think about the audience that will see what we say in that moment. And if we did, I bet you we would tithe some of our comments, for one. For two, we would probably say what we are going to say more tactfully. And three, we'd try to find non-Aventist lingo ways to communicate stuff to people who follow us that aren't Aventist. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out now. Okay. So who should be able to see it? Who should see what I'm posting? How do I make that choice? So this is just from a screenshot from my Facebook page. Facebook has this amazing feature, Okay. When you go to post something, there's this little thing here that says public and globe, if that's what your default setting is. Maybe yours just says friends. But there's a setting here that says friends accept. What I recommend that you do is go through your Facebook feed and find the non-Aventist people in your feed who won't understand or may be inflamed by the stuff that you're posting as an Aventist to Aventists. And it saves the names of these people. It just keeps them. You don't have to enter it every time. It's just when you do it once, you can add people when you get new friends. If you realize it didn't go over well, if you're posting Ellen White quotes or something else, this should be winsome and tactful, by the way, um, the Ellen White quotes you're using. But anyway, with that being said, you can actually choose this setting 
So whenever you're getting ready to post, you type your stuff up here, you pick your fancy background here, you tell people it makes you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside here, and then you say, I don't want non-Adventist friends A, B, C, and D to see this. And when you click it when it posts, they never see that that's on your wall. They never know that it exists. So if you're trying to post stuff that's just in-house discussions, that's overly Adventist, that's one way that you can work around that. You still have a friendship with the other people, uh, if they haven't unfollowed you already, and you'll never know, <laughs> unfortunately. It's nice that they don't know that you stopped following them, but it's not nice when you know, don't know that they stopped following you. It just is what it is. So anyway, it's a great feature. It's helpful. I'm not fully sure on how you do this in the other platforms, but my friend Jamie, uh, I'm sure would, and she's doing the next seminar after lunch. Okay, that's that. Content is king. The most viral content on social media, nearly all of it, is not filmed with the most super-duper 4K camera ever made by mortals. Charlie Bit My Finger was filmed on a cell phone and had an absurd amount of views, right? Those cute cat videos and, and, and videos of nothing but husky dogs doing funny things. I've never watched, but I've heard about them. Shifty eyes, right? Um, Content is king. If people like what you're saying or what you're doing, it covers a multitude of sins visually. Now, I'm not recommending that you commit a lot of sins visually, but the content can make up for a lot, yeah? If you're sharing stuff that resonates with people, that kind of scratches where they're itching, it can help, okay? Use what gear you have, and I'm going to stop there because my friend Jasper is going to pick up on that later today, and I don't want to steal his thunder. So, um... Anyway, use what you got. What's in your hand, Moses? Don't feel that you have to have 10,000 things before you do something. Do something now. Use what you got and let Jesus provide more later. Okay? Next. Casey Neistat is a, he's like the, the golden boy of YouTube. He's a vlogger. He does like these cinematic vlogs and stuff. He has a ton of followers, like millions. Millions and millions and millions of views. But he said the best advice he ever got was from Roman Atwood, another famous YouTuber, and it was just keep uploading. It's the best advice you ever got. Instead of trying to meticulously lay out every single detail of everything before you do anything, just keep throwing stuff against the wall and see if it sticks, right? Because something may seem like a good idea to you, but the people you're trying to reach, they're just not buying it. They don't want what you're selling. That's fine if that's the case. Just keep adjusting. How many people followed it? How many people liked it? How many people reposted it? Did it do well? Did it not do well? Keep assessing the success of what you're posting and adjust accordingly. Does that make sense? Right? Just simple, practical stuff. Post things that are relevant to young people and what they wrestle with. Right? Don't just do this pie in the sky, everything's great. Young people are hurting. I've been to 22 academies in North America. Our young people are wrestling with some heavy stuff, y'all. And to ignore that is folly. And it's to our detriment as a movement if we don't catch on quickly. Our young people are dying inside. They feel like they'll never be good enough for God. They're depressed. They're growing up in broken, abusive homes. They've been abused by people in their church. They've been abused by people in their school. This is real. It's, it's no joke. And when we address stuff, find ways to resonate with the brokenness that really is plaguing our young people. Right? Be real with folks. Don't be dirty. Don't be crass. But find ways to, re to share stuff that's going to resonate with what they're going through. The stuff that's killing them and that social media fuels and needs to be addressed. Right? Take the time to study your people, find Christ-centered answers, and start to inject some things in there. 
my best friend Mark Payton and I are actually developing a program for 3ABN that's going to start filming in May called Raw Questions, Real Answers. And what we're doing is taking raw questions from young people, they submit them beforehand, dealing with hard issue stuff, and we're just going to start walking through it in a Christ-centered way. We'll probably sort the, uh, the programs um, thematically. So just one episode on bad religion. I was hurt by religion. Another episode just on whatever, right? You know, the different topics, media, whatever else. But we need outlets Young people are looking for outlets where they can be themselves, they can ask the hard questions because they don't, they don't feel like they're going to be safely received if they do. So we're offering them an outlet to be able to ask those hard questions, give them Christ-centered answers. This is something we can be doing on social media. We're actually going to market it on there too. Here's some examples. So I do Q&As when I go to schools around the country, and I just want to read you some examples of real questions coming from real young people in North America. And I hope you're ready for this. Uh, how do I get rid of this sin that I've been committing for so long? I really want to overcome, but I still find myself falling into the same thing over and over again. Here's another one. Why does God demand so much? How can I be friends with someone that doesn't answer? My prayers go nowhere. Is it wrong to just give up and wait for God to come to me this time? I heard that the fact that you do or don't follow the commandments is an indication as to whether or not you're close to God. But what about the rich young ruler? Wasn't his whole problem the fact that he didn't sell all of his stuff or have a real connection with God? Um, so what about me? If I keep the commandments, does that mean that me and God are good? Right? Does God, is the only way that God's going to like me be based upon me keeping the commandments? Here's another one. I know I'm going to hell, but I don't want to, and I'm afraid. But I have... But I've tried everything I've ever been told, and nothing has worked. I'm sick of trying, and I don't even know if I, want to let, if I want to go to heaven, because I don't trust God. What am I supposed to do? I feel so alone. I feel so bitter. I think there's something out there for everyone to help them get through rough moments. But so many people have told me so many things to help me. It seems like I've been going on a wild goose chase from one thing after another. I'm just spiraling farther and farther into depression, doubt, fear, and hopelessness. It hurts so much. What do you do when everything is hopeless? What do you do when all you see ahead is black nothingness? I'm so done. I'm just tired of trying. I have no idea how to express the darkness that I feel, and I don't even know if your answers can help. Right now, I'm just at the point where I don't care anymore, and if anything falls into my lap, then yeah, I'll use it. I'm just so done with chasing after something to help me. So if I'm going to live, someone's going to have to care a whole lot about me. Life is hopeless, pointless. How can I do this anymore? Help me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, folks. I'm getting heavy, heavy questions wherever I go. These are our Seventh-day Adventist schools in North America. This is not the south side of Chicago. I don't understand the meaning of my life. I feel alone. God doesn't give any evidence that he's there. I know he hates me because he's never seemed to care. Why am I such a failure? I gave up such a long time ago. When will God become real in my life? Help me please understand where God is when I'm crying and alone and when I'm ready to take my own life because I've been on this road so long and it's awful. The path to heaven is a fiery hell. It's a pastor's kid, by the way. We have real issues that our young people are wrestling with and for whatever reason, we have not stepped up to the plate to fully address these as we could. And we need to find ways to do so. We're doing what we can as a ministry. We're starting. It's meager. It's small. But it's something. 
But God can do something with something. He can't do anything with nothing. So if you just keep thinking, well, I can't do anything until I get it right, you'll never do anything. So take the time to labor in the trenches for these precious young people. Help them find Christ-centered answers and tell the story, okay? Don't weary your audience. I closed the previous seminar with this. I don't care what cause you're passionate about. If you weary the saints, they don't listen to you anymore. You don't know it, but they unfollowed you a long time ago. The problem is, the higher up in the food chain you are in Adventism with your influence, it makes it even harder because there are people who are sharing things prolifically on certain topics that I think are topics that we should talk about. But when every single post six times a day is dealing with this topic, it just wears people out. Are you with me? So make sure you're using your influence appropriately. You're not wearying the saints. Prioritize the things that you're sharing as opposed to just doing everything all the time, all at once, right? Just, just be balanced in this. It's helpful because these are people that have great influence in our church. And I don't want them to lose that influence. But I had to have that sit-down conversation with one who has the ear of a lot of people. But I've had many people tell me they unfollowed that individual a long time ago because of this. Even though some of the stuff they're posting is dynamite. So it's a shame. So anyway, use your influence wisely amongst your friends. Don't make everything about these side periphery issues, okay? Here's some people that I've found that are doing social media well. This first one is actually in the room, uh, and he's doing a seminar later today. Jasper, Jasper Ivanatriega. This is his Facebook page if you want to find him there. He's going to have all of his handles in the later seminar today. But he's, he just used what he had, and he's, he's actually gotten quite a following amongst other places around the world, not just here in North America, and some good stuff. But I'm not going to brag on him like I normally do because I want to keep him humble, and I don't want to sleep in the room with someone whose head just takes up all the room. And... <laughs> Uh, two, he's going to tell you his story. It's amazing, guys. Please come this afternoon. The testimonies he has are absolutely amazing. I've not heard very many people in Adventism who've had happen what he's had happen. And he's just a guy. Just some guy. This. Write this down right now, or you're fired. So, sdadata.org. This is a resource developed by the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. And it's amazing. They hired a girl who was working for the Smithsonian. By the way, she's doing the next seminar. A little plug for that, too, just after lunch. Jamie is, she helped the Smithsonian go from no relevance online to just killing it. The church realized, hey, this girl's an Adventist. She's really good at this. We need help. They hired her, snagged her from the Smithsonian. And she's begun creating resources for the church that's just for you, free resources, how to post videos that will get good traction. Had, and what she's going to do in the next seminar is how to actually do a campaign. If you're doing social media for your church, for your ministry, for an organization, she's going to walk through the whole process. How to do targeted ads, how to do boosted posts, what to do, what not to do, how Facebook hides stuff because they're kind of shady in some things. So you can know that your posts don't get lost because Facebook hides them, right? Stuff like that. For instance, I'll give you one. If you post a YouTube link to your page on Facebook, many times Facebook hides those links, particularly if you're an organization. If you're an individual, it doesn't happen as much. But as organizations, they hide a lot of your posts, and it's pay to play. you got to pay to boost your posts. It's unfortunate. That's just how it works. But if you upload the post organically, if you put it natively into your Facebook page, it gets more views. So you upload it to YouTube and to Facebook. But a lot of us don't know these things because Facebook sure ain't telling us 
So to have that background information, people like Jamie, our church needs, because I fear that a lot of our posts and what we're doing is just falling on deaf ears, and it's not getting to the people we want it to get to. We need this component to reach the world. So please come back to the next session. But it's at Digi Evangelism, D-I-G-I Evangelism, um, or just go to sdadata.org, and then they'll tell you how to get to all their social media stuff. They're helping, like, how many people have seen the Q&As that Dan Jackson's been doing? I think they've done two of them, one at Union College, one at Oakwood, called Is This Thing On? Not a single soul. Okay. Uh, anyway, there's an opportunity for people to ask questions of church leaders. They marketed it well. Dwight Nelson did a series called Hope Trending um, that had some pretty good feedback and, and had a lot of traction on social media. Stuff like that. She's kind of been one of the brains behind the scenes to help them do it. Okay. Great resources, lots of articles. They're making videos. It's going to be great. Okay. That Christian vlogger, Justin Koo, I was on an ASI evangelism think tank with him a couple years ago, and he had like under 1,000 subscribers in the spring of 2016. When I checked it this week, he has 43,000 subscribers. He's got over a million views, um, and he's just found ways to try to make faith relevant. Uh, he goes about things a little different way, but as an Adventist, he's somebody who's been getting traction. Uh, that Christian vlogger, it's a YouTube channel. He's got Facebook and stuff too, but... Uh, the main thing people are watching in his videos. Lineage Journey. Woo! Sorry, I, they're my friends. So Lineage Journey is an amazing project. Adam Rand is doing a seminar on it right now, a couple doors yonder. Lineage Journey is basically walking through church history in these amazingly filmed, it, it's, it's high-quality filming, compelling music, and it's, it's going through in like five-minute segments, basically, the history of the Christian church. And they're getting an average, at least last time I checked, like 14 to 15,000 views on Facebook per video. Um, and it's, they're getting views around the world. It's an amazing, well-done project. Jasper's actually the creative director to help him get stuff together for filming. Season two is actually going to be Adventist church history. It will release in the new year. They've already filmed a bunch of it. So anyway, it's an amazing project. You need to follow this. Watch the videos, share them. I was at a church a few weeks ago. They show one video per week because they're releasing a video, by the way, every single week. 50, I think around 50 episodes they released this last year, maybe 48. And so they're releasing steady content weekly. There's behind the scenes footage of the, and they film them on location wherever the Reformation happened. So they're not just in a studio somewhere, they're filming on location in the cold. Jasper will tell you about that. Um, but they, it's, they did it for real. It's really well done. And there's, there's like 360 footage like inside of these churches, so you can actually see it in a 360 form. Very interactive, they're getting good feedback. Great project, Lineage Journey. Little Light Studios. Little Light Studios is actually going through a rebranding campaign right now. They're actually creating content now that's more Bible-based. They're not really doing a lot of documentaries anymore on Hollywood. They feel like there's, we've pretty much done that. Uh, what they want to do now is get the message of righteousness by faith, and they want to create small group resources. They want to create other Bible videos. And uh, anyway, it's a great opportunity. Little Light Studios, check out their stuff. Uh, they're, they're doing five-minute Bible study videos, an entire doctrine and a practical topic in five minutes or less, which is really hard, um, as a windbag preacher at least. All right, they just started something called Video Mission. They have a booth here. If you are a filmmaker, if you're someone that does nature photography, you need to go see their booth. They're actually starting, they've started a video stock website where you can get stock footage for your sermons, right, if you're preaching. You can get videos to use for your sermons of, like, biblical scenes. They filmed this in Scotty's backyard. They were doing construction at the neighboring house. It's actually kind of a funny story. So they, 
Scotty's brother has long hair, or he has a beard, so they got a wig, they had the costumes, and they were filming biblical footage in this dirt area right next to his house. But they filmed it at like four o'clock. And so just imagine, as you come home from work, you see Jesus being crucified <laughs> in your neighbor's backyard. It was kind of a, no one called the cops, but it was a, an interesting situation. But they've, they're, they're going overseas this year to uh, uh, Morocco, where most biblical footage is done. Um, they've got all the stuff there, all the people, all the clothing, and it looks just like Jerusalem and in Israel. They're filming a bunch of stuff. So if you need resources, if you're making a video, but you need B-roll of biblical footage, if you've made stuff, go talk to them. You can upload it, and you get paid. You get 60% of the cut. It's a great deal. They want to do it to support mission work. Really, really awesome. You should go check them out. All right. ARTV. How many people have heard of ARTV? It's one of the best things I've seen Adventism do in a while in media. It's, it's like an, a Netflix of sorts. It's high-quality content that's all being posted at one place from Adventists around the world. They kind of recruit, they find it, they upload it. And ARTV now is the, uh, the hashtag for it, but they have an app. If you look for ARTV, it's got like a capital A, capital R, and then a lowercase TV. It's a grayscale background. They've got a program called Icky Free Kids. Has anyone seen that? Oh, dude, it's so good. I would show it to you right now if I could. Um, yeah, anyway, check out ARTV and look into Icky Free Kids on there. They're little short health videos with my buddy Jared Thurman. Really well done. They kind of use like satire again to kind of deal with health principles. Lots of other content, lineage journeys on there. It's another place to look. I'm just giving you resources of Adventists who are doing media stuff well. You can research them, find out how, how to get involved. I Believe Bibles. Anyone need to look, heard of this project? It's been put out by the North American Division, I think. Um, Anyway, they're also making short videos, a lot of B-roll. Uh, they're trying to deal with issues that young people wrestle with. They're creating content for that. They're marketing it well. It's another option. I, the letter I, Believe Bible uh, as the Facebook page. You can look them up. Bible Ask, it used to be called Proof Directory. They, sh I, they have a booth. They just got here this morning. They have 70,000 followers on Facebook, and nearly all of them are not Seventh-day Adventists. It's amazing what they're doing. They started as a website. I think Philip, the guy who started it, has a, a background in web design and other things. And people can submit Bible questions, whatever they may be. And I'll, I'll send you the next one. But this is their Facebook page. But I just want to show you, they've got now 81,000 followers. And again, nearly every single one of these is not a Seventh-day Adventist. So on their Twitter page, here's an example. People ask a question, how often should Christians partake of the Lord's Supper? And it, it can be anything. And these are not Adventist questions. See, people ask stuff about, well, what are Protestants, or what do Catholics believe, or what's this? Why do people go to church on Saturday? They'll ask all kinds of stuff. And anyway, they got a great following. If you're looking for Bible answers on situations, that's a good place to look into as a resource, right? They generally give good answers from what I've seen. So it's another great story in Adventism of success. Uh, Bible Ask. This is actually my buddy Jared Thurman's wife. She has an Instagram channel that she's not famous. I just love what she's doing. She does this Etsy-type stuff. Jared just told me today that people are sending her products just to put in her Instagram pictures and stuff. But they had, this is a baby miniature donkey. His name is Buddy. They have cats. They have uh, one donkey, two cats, 17 chickens, and seven alpacas. And her pictures are really well done. They have a website that goes along with it. She just, she's doing things well. They're very aesthetically pleasing. She's like a wedding dress designer on the side. Um, she's just a really creative girl, really, really good at stuff, interior design, all kinds of that. But anyway, for inspiration, how to frame pictures and other stuff, she does great. It's Azure Farm, A-Z-U-R-E-F-A-R-M. 
um, just Annette Thurman, Jared's wife, and they have AzureFarmLife.com. She has a blog there where you can actually see stories. Uh, this one is, is Pearl's story. She kind of documented when they had a baby alpaca. These things are adorable. They give them haircuts. It's great. My mom fell in love with it. Like, it's, she thought it was cool. This is Evan Bambrick. Uh, he and his wife's um, Instagram page. They're really good photographers. They set up stuff well if you just want pointers on things. They're people who do stuff well when it comes to pictures, uh, some good ideas and lighting. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Sorry, Audioverse. You're just going to have to get the slides. But it's A-Y-A-T-A-L-K-I-T-A-B-H-A-R-I-A-N. They're Indonesians, but they've got, look, 66,000 followers, and they're posting everything in the Indonesian language. Is that right, Jasper? Yeah, in the Indonesian language, and they're getting a lot of traction, okay? Just scripture quotes, good video, good visuals, um, and they're getting good feedback. There's a guy, his name is Neville Neveling. He was here for uh, Pathways to Health. Jonathan Walter told me about this guy. What they're doing is amazing. They're doing full-length evangelistic series through WhatsApp groups in South Africa, and they're baptizing people. They're planting churches out of that and having church services because where they are in Namibia, South Africa, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like your closest neighbor literally is like 20 miles away. You're super far away. So it's hard to have church, um, normal church settings. So they're actually having church through WhatsApp. And the way the guy designed it, he used to work in radio, a lot of different background. But some of what he's doing is he literally has everything, I believe, in 60-second segments It's a 45-minute sermon, but it's done. Every 60 seconds has its own intro, its body, and close. And so he's designed in a way to keep people's attention. It's pretty amazing. They did it in Afrikaans first. They were supposed to just start doing English recently. I haven't heard an update. But if you look him up on Facebook, his name is Neville, N-E-V-I-L-L-E, Neveling, N-E-V-E-L-I-N-G. What's the guy's? Yeah. Oh, GIF creators, yes. Okay, so I thought you said gift. I was a little confused. Yeah, they need gift creators, GIF creators. They need them. People that can help them with videos and stuff. So uh, anyway, it's an amazing thing that they're doing. They kind of picked up on an idea happening somewhere in Asia, I believe, and then modified it and made it evangelistic. It's really cool. So there's other ways to use digital media. Maybe that you envision to be able to start outreach, right? Chat groups, start a prayer meeting together through WhatsApp of people in different areas of the, of the world. You met them on a mission trip, whatever. You can keep investing long distance. WhatsApp's a great tool for that. Th- there's also a lot of good that comes from this in raising funds. Uh, Lisa got married since I made this slide, but Lisa had to have a surgery earlier this year that her insurance wasn't going to be able to cover, and people raised the money for her. Uh, Dwayne Lemon had to have an emergency heart surgery earlier this year or maybe last year, last fall, I forget and was able to raise the money to have surgery in Loma Linda. The people have set up things. Uh, Melody mom, Melody Mason's mom got cancer treatment. The social media can be used for advancing good projects too, right? You can, it's a call to action for people who have means to help folks who are doing ministry or have other needs, right? Don't, don't ask people to pay for your college books. Don't weary the saints with projects like that, right? It's find other ways to do it, sell plasma, um, but just when, when everyone's posting a GoFundMe about smaller things, it makes it harder for projects that are bigger. Does that make sense? You just want donor fatigue amongst people. So just think about it before you just, it's not just the low-hanging fruit, right? You could probably make more panhandling than doing that, actually. Um, I'll tell you a testimony for me. So I had a sermon on Audioverse uh, earlier this year called Why Prayer Matters. 
And I was just telling some of the story at Heritage Academy. I'm talking to a bunch of high school kids. They don't have money. I'm not asking for sympathy. I was just telling them a story about some hardship that we had gone through as a ministry financially and how I was just telling the story to the kids about how God answered my prayer in an amazing way. I won't have time to go into that. Uh, you can just listen to the message if you want to, or it just doesn't matter. Anyway, what ends up happening is that sermon goes in audio verse. I preach it like in April. The sermon goes in audio verse in like May. And things are pretty rough for me financially at that stage. And this girl that I met in, at, a, at one of our colleges, just preaching at one of their meetings, she had said, you know, the messages have been helpful. Thank you so much. No problem. So she'd messaged me on Facebook before. But she sends me a message and says, hey, uh, I just heard your message on Audioverse, Why Prayer Matters, and I feel convicted that I should help you out with the car payment. What's your car payment this month? Your messages have been a blessing to me, and I just want to give it, you know, blessing back to you. What's your car payment? I was like, are you serious right now? Yeah. So she sends me a car payment. Eight days later, I'm telling the story. How I even got this car is a total miracle. Shouldn't have even happened. I don't have money, but God provides every month. And so I get in this situation. I had to get a loan. I didn't want to get a loan. I begged God, don't make me, because I didn't want to trust God every month. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't want to do that. I've committed to radical giving. I've seen tens of thousands of dollars worth of miracles. But in my moment of weakness, I didn't want to be put in that position. God put me in that position, and you'll never believe it. He showed up faithfully every single month since July of 2016. All that being said, eight days later, I'm telling the story of the miracle card to some friends of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. And then I tell them what happened eight days earlier when this girl sent me a message and paying for my car payment. Earlier that day, another guy had sent me a message. He had messaged me before from something he'd heard on Audioverse and just sent something else. He's like, hey, what do you think of this resource? So I listened to it, I think, and told him. But um, anyway, that same guy messages me earlier that day and says, do you have a PayPal? But that's all it says. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know, do I? You know? <laughs> like, you know, is this guy a pirate? You know, he's just going to try to steal my, my two pesos I have left. Like, who is this guy? Um, but I, he had messaged me before, so I asked him a follow-up question to kind of weed it out. Are you asking for me or for my ministry? He said, for you. And he says, and I want to pay your car payment. How much is it? It's like, no. And so I'm, he's messaging me about this while I'm telling the story to these friends. I was like, you guys will never believe this. So I'm telling them the story. I say, my car payment is X amount. And uh, I don't drive a Ferrari, but I, so I'm not going to tell you the amount. And so I, I send it, and I get a message. I get a PayPal notification from the guy. And he literally sent me three car payments plus a tithe. And so just imagine, I'm telling them the story, and then I get this, like, over $1,000 donation. And I, I was like, guys, you'll never believe this. Like, while I'm telling them the story, this real-time information is coming in. And then the guy messaged me and said, hey, I'm sending you three car payments plus a tithe. Just because. I believe in what you're doing. I don't know this guy. For, I don't even know where he lives. I don't know how old he is. I've never met him. But the messages and audio verse were a blessing to him, and he just wanted to be a blessing to me. And I just couldn't believe what had happened. He gave two more car payments later. So I literally didn't have to make a car payment from May all the way until November of this year. Someone else paid them completely. God will provide miracle money in other ways, but this totally was paid for. And also, Audioverse has been a resource that I think people don't realize how many people's lives are impacted by Audioverse. I had no idea until I had messages there. Share Audioverse. They just started, in, I meant to put them up here. They have a new thing called Journey in, Unscripted. Journey Interrupted is, is my friends at Coming Out Ministries. I think it's Journey Unscripted. Um, is that right? Yeah, Unscripted, yeah. And then Interrupted is, is the, the Coming Out Ministries documentary. Anyway, go to the Audioverse booth. They've started a new platform and a new website that's just testimony videos. 
being able to hear miracle stories of how God transformed people's lives, like Wes Pepper's stories there, Neil Candace's stories there, and other people have you know big testimonies and audioverse. They're they're filling it up. Uh, Alexis Abrahantes, uh, Carriero, that guy's story is amazing if you haven't heard it. Um, and I don't know some other people. So anyway, Audioverse is doing a tremendous amount of good that I did not understand until I started getting emails from all around the world. I got an email from a girl in Asia who said, you know, I've, I used to start these programs. I was running this and running that, and I'm not in the church. And I just, I'm working on Sabbath, and I don't know how to be saved. Sir, please help me. Someone in Asia, I've never met this person. I'll never meet them again. And yet they reached out to me. I was able to supply some answers to them, and it helped them a lot. There are platforms that Adventists are using right now that are changing people's lives around the world, but you don't get to hear a lot about it. So just know that God is working, but we're just on the tip of the iceberg, folks. We need you. We need you on the front lines. Use what gifts you have in these areas because it's, we don't have a lot. Tons of private messages have come from people just on social media. So if you're someone who preaches regularly, if you have stuff on Audioverse, you need to have social media. It's an easy place for people to reach out to you. I highly recommend it. Now, Keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. I know that's not the most scientific, exciting statement, but you just have to keep doing trial and error, right? Jasper didn't take any classes on social media. He just did what he could with what he had, and he adjusted accordingly, and things went, you know, started to get traction. Again, just keep uploading, right? The more regular your posts are, the more people will come to you to find stuff, right? How many people have had a situation where you were on YouTube, and when you got on YouTube, you, you found someone who had these great resources, but they had like two, and you were hungry and you wanted more for them. How many people have been in situations like that? Or they had other social media posts that you really liked what they gave you, but there wasn't much. We need people creating regular good content to keep people fed. Otherwise, they forget about you, right? And I'm tired of seeing the flash in the pan Adventist resources that, you know, this ministry made two great videos and then they weren't able to do any more because they didn't have any money or whatever else. We need to be making regular content that's good. We have to feed these folks or they leave. They unsubscribe, they unfollow, they don't care anymore. And we lost them, right? So it's discipleship. It's digital discipleship. Keep uploading, keep finding ways to invest, okay? Focus on building relationships, right? This is why pandering in politics is not a good idea because you're not going to build friendships. And even if you're being tactful, there's so much emotions tied to politics that your feed just becomes a boxing match. It becomes the octagon for a cage fight, even though you were trying to be tactful and balanced. And if that happens in your feed, shut it down. Are you hearing me? If it gets untactful, delete people, don't let them there anymore. Make sure that your stuff isn't hijacked by fanatics, especially if you're doing stuff well. There's a feature on Facebook, those three dots on the side of a post. If you click that, you can, I had this happen. We just released some devotionals, three of them, three cinematic devotionals. Um, and I'll show, them, I'll show you one here in just a moment. I'll just log out and, and do it. But there's this guy. We were doing boosted targeting ads for it. And this guy is like, what is this junk on my feed? If religion really is that, why does anybody follow it? And like, I'm not just going to let that comment just sit on our feed, right? You can private message them. Jamie has actually created a resource with sdadata.org that gives you this wire chart to kind of know what to do when you find junk in your feed. What do I do? Is it like really big and pressing? You can send them a private message. If that doesn't work, then she tells you what to do next. Very good resources, right? So just realize, go to their Facebook feed. 
Enough. All they're talking about is that the Trinity, the Trinity is, is dumb and, and, and the Pope, I don't know, that there's Jesuits infesting the church. If they're, if they're just into fanaticism or whatever, then you're probably not going to make much of a difference in commenting on it, right? You can just hide it. But in that Facebook feature, you can hide a post so that they still see it and their friends still see it. Now, most of their friends probably are doing similar things, but we don't know. That's one way you can just delete the post. But if you don't want them to know, if you just want to kind of do it in, in a kind way, you can hide it. They think their post is still there. No one else sees it, okay? It's another way you can deal with that, at least on Facebook. If it's on other platforms, just delete it. Don't let that muck up your beautiful post, your inspiring post. Don't let that happen, okay? Get in there, do something about it, be proactive, because it's affecting your PR as a page, right? Own it. It's your feed. Own it. You can do what you want with it. If someone's being crusty every time you post something, delete them. Remove the friendship. You can message them privately. That's fine. But don't let them take your public platform and ruin it. Are you with me? Some people think, yeah, that may be rude. But the problem is it's making your godly posts ugly. It's hindering your ability to minister effectively. Does that make sense? So get in there. This is your mission field. Don't let them take it from you. Okay? Just keep that in mind. Be consistent and don't be like Lot. We talked about this in the previous session. That don't fall into this trap of inconsistency. That you're posting like a worldling one minute and then you're trying to post like a child of God the next minute. It causes dissonance. It causes confusion. And it makes people not know what to do with you. Because when you try to be spiritual, they think, look, you're just like me. You're not better than me. Now you're going to be spiritual? Right? Don't make the same mistake. Right? Don't, don't rock a dual citizenship on social media. Choose the kingdom of heaven. The benefits are out of this world. The retirement plan is out of this world, right? Don't laugh. It was a bad joke. Thank you. All right. God can do something with something, but he can't do anything with nothing. God cannot save the person that you didn't study with, even if you're not good at giving studies, right? God cannot inspire the person that you didn't post to because you didn't post anything, right? He's using someone else, hopefully, but he can't use you to do it if you don't do anything. So... Take some of these principles, go study people in Adventism who are doing it well, and learn. That's what Jasper did. He networked, and he found ways to do it, but he'll tell you more of that later. Um, before I get to this, let me go back and show you an example here. of. Now, not everyone's going to be able to do this, and I understand that, but just to kind of give you an idea of some of what we're trying to do as a ministry to kind of fill in one of these gaps on dealing with content that... that addresses the issues that are crippling our young people. This is one called Bad Religion. You can go to our Unseen Media Group page, U-N-S-C-E-N-E, Media Group. And this is a devotional that we did out in California when I was preaching at Loma Linda um, called Bad Religion. How many people have been in situations where you've been hurt by religious people? Anybody in this room ever been hurt by a religious person? Um, there's probably more than that, but that's okay. So it's... It's not easy, it's not pretty, and it's very easy in those moments when you've been hurt by a religious person to assume that God endorses what they did, what they did. And it's easy for us to just say, if this is what God is about, I'm not interested. He's not about that. So we created a resource to deal with this. In fact, my friend Andy just posted on the Michigan Conference page the other day. Appreciate you, brother. Um, this is, again, it's called Bad Religion. Have you ever been hurt by religious people? As a result of this hurt, do you feel that religion is just this dead road that leads to nowhere, nothing but disappointment and discouragement and harm? I have some good news for you today, and I hope that at the end of this video, you're going to have a different view, not only of God, but of religion in general. And I think what you're about to hear may surprise you. 
There's this interesting passage in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36, beginning around verse 22, where God literally says, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you've profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations wherever you went. And all the nations will know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I'm hallowed in you before their eyes. Basically, people will know that I'm the Lord when you start to look like me, because right now you don't. And it's really frustrating to God that he's being misrepresented by people who claim to know him. Paul picks up on this theme in Romans chapter 2 and verse 24, where he says that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, church folk. He's speaking to the church. Now, this should be good news for you because God seems to be distancing himself from instances in which religious people hurt folks and look nothing like him. So if you've been hurt by people who claim to know God but look nothing like him, he wants you to know today that he has nothing to do with that. But it gets even better. In Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul is telling his testimony to King Agrippa. This is basically what he says. I was on my way to Damascus to arrest people who were believing in Jesus. He's a man who believes in God devoutly, zealously. And because these people don't believe as he believes, he's persecuting them with everything that he has and wants to kill them, imprison them, and make their lives miserable. He's the epitome of bad religion. But on his way to arrest these people on a dusty road just like this one, he has a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ himself. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, he did not have a warrant for the arrest of Jesus. He had a warrant for the arrest of people who loved Jesus. Here's why this matters. Jesus here is identifying with the people who were suffering in his name at the hands of bad religion. To me, that brings a lot of hope because Jesus has nothing to do with what's being done to his people here. He feels for them. In fact, Jesus himself was killed by bad religion, by the conservatives and the liberals. He can relate. He, he can sympathize with us. It's really good news. He's not responsible for it and that he wants something better for us. So here's my appeal to you. First of all, if you've been hurt by bad religion, know that Jesus has nothing to do with that and that he was hurt with you. Two, our decisions need to be made based upon what Jesus says in his word and how he treats us individually. Don't let other people think for you or deprive you of that privilege. Three, we need to be praying for those people who've hurt us in religion, that they would have a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ himself. And lastly, as religious people, we need to pray for the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of humility, and that we would love people who don't see things the way that we do, just like Jesus would, to ensure that they can be reached too. This is possible through the power of God, and bad religion need not be an issue anymore. Now, does everything you do have to be, you know, cinematically produced or whatever? No. Um, I work for a media ministry. We do this for a living, right? It's a different situation. Um, but the point is, there are things that you can do. If that's something you have a gift in, use it for the glory of God. This is very low production cost, right? I paid a filmmaker to film it and edit it. But, like, it was outside. I didn't need a studio, right? It's a beautiful scenery. You just go out and you shoot. If you've got friends and you're good at this, go for it. Right? Take what you have and use it. And Jasper's going to give some principles on how to do that later today. 
Two more things. One, do not be long-winded in your posts, okay? Keep them brief. Keep them to the point. Yes, there are amazing quotes in Scripture. There are amazing quotes in the Spirit of Prophecy. But once, if they have to hit the more button, and they need to do even more than that, they need to scroll three passes to read the end of it, it's just too long, right? If people get a bunch of long posts, they unfollow you. Don't be belligerent in your posts as saying the same thing over and over and over again, right? Find ways to be simple. And for those who are, how do I say this without being mean? If you're not a young person, um, but you find yourself tagging young people or family members in a lot of your posts, it ends up kind of cluttering up their wall, and they probably don't have the courage to tell you they would wish that you didn't. Um, or the message feeds and so forth. This is not something that you just send everything you like to everybody you know, okay? You'll end up losing followers that way. You may not realize it because, again, they don't tell you they're not following you anymore. You assume they may be. But I have some people that just send me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of content. Thankfully, not a lot to my wall, but through messages and other things, who are really sweet people. They're spiritual resources, a lot of them. But it just, it's like spam, right? It's like junk mail that's just clogging up your inbox, and it's hard to work through. So as someone who doesn't know you, and someone who isn't your child or the person you're sending posts to, I'm just throwing that out there, right? However you want to do it. But just social media is not this area that I just put everything out I want all the time. Be temperate, right? In the same way that it's not good to eat a whole bag of cookies, it's not good to post way too much stuff in one day, right? Ration your posts. Make them relevant, right? Make sure there's something that's helpful and substantive if you're wanting to use it evangelistically. If you just want to post till your heart's content and don't care what happens, you can do that. But if you're wanting to use it for ministry purposes, be brief, be to the point. That's it. All right. Are there any questions that you guys have on this side of things? Jasper's going to get more of the how-to from a video and visual standpoint. Jamie will deal with when it comes to like targeting and ads and how to run a campaign from the back end as someone who's running a ministry or a church page or small group page, whatever that may be. Um, but I wanted to give another opportunity for any questions. Sorry, there's one question that people have asked me as parents that I need to address quickly, and then I'll, and I'll take your question, because we still have like 12 minutes. Um, I, was, I was a good boy today. So someone asked me, when do I start my kids with social media? And this is a difficult question to answer because it's not an answer that young people will probably want to hear. This is not an inspired statement. This did not come from Ellen White. It didn't come from the Bible. It came from this skinny fella up in front of you. But this is just my burden based on principles I've seen. Wait until they're in their mid to late teens. Um, to an age where they have some time with you in their household where you can teach them to self-govern. Look up the word self-govern in the spirit of prophecy and parent accordingly. Run your school accordingly. Mentor accordingly. And so my recommendation would be to better understand the principle of self-governance, one, but two, give them opportunities to make decisions while they're still under your care. Don't deprive them of the ability to choose while they're in your home, and then they leave, and then they just go crazy with stuff they never got to have in your home, right? If there's stuff that they're going to have access to at adults, they need time with you to learn how to do it responsibly while they can still receive discipline and feedback. Does that make sense? So I would say mid to late teens, and a big reason why, I think I just saw a dad smiling, um, I think a big reason why is the, the story of Amanda Todd that I talked about yesterday, or in the first session this morning. This girl was blackmailed and exposed by someone who she was doing web chats with as a teenage girl, right? Strangers. 
This is not the place to make friends in that way, doing video chats, giving information. There are many stories of people who get into, se into, into trafficking, right? They become sex slaves and other things. They're going to meet with someone because they seem like a friendly person. You know, their picture looks friendly. They're so friendly to me. But then when you get in person, people are being kidnapped. It's no joke. And you as a parent need to know where they're going and what they're doing when it comes to their posts. And children don't have the, the faculties to discern as an adult would because they don't understand how dark the world actually is and how people operate. It's more easy for them to be trusting, which is endearing, but it's also something that can be preyed upon. Does that make sense? So my personal recommendation is in the mid to late teens, while they're still under your care, to teach them how to use it in a, in a way that's responsible, right? And it's just, there's a lot of stories of other stuff that you just don't want out there. And I just want to make sure that I dealt with that from a, an adult standpoint. Uh, you have a question, but he had a question first. So was your question based on what I just said or another question? Okay, so microphone on. There you go, man. Don't you think it's better to use um, a public page instead of your personal page for uh, projects when you're actually planning on going like on a regular basis, you know, posting something um, to kind of, you know, separate your personal life right. um, and the public page. Because like, you know, some friends may be interested being with you, uh, but not really, you know, want to receive stuff every day. Um, but if they're interested, they will just like the page. Sure. So this way you kind of like not knowing people who yeah. uh, may not be, you know, your targeted um, place and you don't have to add, add, you know, like a thousand people to your friend, right. uh, friend list. It depends on what you're doing and what your vocation is. It's a really good point that you can have multiple platforms. Um, Jamie does this. You have a different... So you can have you know, something for just your friends to see. It's just in-house. They can be private profiles that only people that you want to see can see. You can regulate it that way. Then have a public figure page. I did not have good luck with that, but I'm not famous. <laughs> um, I found that I have more influence with people as a regular page being me. I'm in full-time ministry. I preach for a living. This is just me being posting spiritual things is just who I am and what I do for a living. It, it's easy for me. Um, but it may be different in your vocation. Maybe you're a filmmaker who does nature photography and have a big following of a bunch of non-Adventists or whatever. Yeah, that's another option. Um, if you do have a public figure page, you will run into some of those limitations in how Facebook governs stuff. And you may have to pay to play to get traction to start. So just be ready for that. Um, regular Facebook pages don't have stuff hidden as frequently as actual pages do. For whatever, Jamie can probably tell you why. So anyway, it's a good point, but did that help to answer your question? It depends on what you're doing, and yeah, certainly you can do that. You can have your Instagram page be friends only. You can have your Twitter page be friends only. Even your Facebook page can be that way. If you just want to have more personal things, maybe you don't want your family in the limelight, right, or whatever. You can adjust accordingly your, your public visibility, and then just have one public face that you can use for all the other stuff. You can do that, certainly. It's a great question. Thank you for that. In the back, uh, I'll go next here, then I'll come up here. So um, with, because you have, you know, with friends, people can see what your friends are posting and they can see who your friends are and whatnot. You know, it's pretty easy. Um, how do you deal with friends that may post things that aren't, um, that aren't really good and that, you know, they could connect those posts with you right. since you're friends with them? And how do you help others to actually, how, how do you help this to spread and help others to actually 
govern themselves and the use of social media? You're like your friends. Sure. Well, there's, here's where the difficulty lies. Um, there's only so much you can do, and they still have their own liberty of conscience. Guilt by association really isn't fair. Um, just because you're friends with people who don't follow Jesus doesn't mean that that's who you are. I would let people judge you based upon what you're doing. I would focus more on that. Because if that's the case, you're going to have to unfollow like, a lot of your friends whenever you can influence them for good by being their friends. I don't really think that's an issue. If they're tagging you in pictures and they're doing inappropriate things and you're just with them but don't want to do those inappropriate things, that's a whole other story, right? But in a general sense, that I wouldn't worry so much about. Your second question was, again... You, well, you can't because they have to self-govern. But you can do it in a way that they recognize there's something different about you. If you know them well enough to love them and labor for their souls, you can have a conversation. But if, they're, if they don't have a desire for God, if they don't have a desire to do their thing right, it's not going to make any difference. Does that make sense? Now, if people that are friends of yours are posting things that would lead you to stumble, you need to unfollow them. And you can do that on Facebook. You can unfollow them where you don't see what they're seeing, but they see what you post is a good influence. And I've had to do that, unfortunately. And you should do that. Those three little dots next to their name, you click that, and then it says unfollow so-and-so. You unfollow. Or you can go to their page. There's a little check mark with their head, I think, and then you, you do it that way. So, uh, yeah, he's got a question, but go ahead. Is that... Yes, with your name. Right. Yes. Facebook does have that editing filter where you can actually choose that no one can tag you without you approving. That's what I have, just because of what I do. So I had this thing I had to check all the time of, so-and-so tags you in this post. Do you want it on your wall or not? It doesn't put it on automatically. And I would recommend that. And that is one way to indirectly deal with a situation of family members or older people just blowing up your page with a bunch of stuff. That's one way you can do that and sort through it. It doesn't end up on your wall, right? So you don't have to go play whack-a-mole every time they post something. You had a question, I think. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Turn the thing up. Yeah. yeah. No, it's fine. Um, so you kind of touched on this earlier, but what about the role of algorithms when you're posting stuff? How should we deal with them, and how, how much effort should we put into trying to optimize for, for audience, for yeah. target audience? It's a good question. It depends on what you're doing. If you're a John Q. Lay member, um, you may not have to worry about it as much, but if you're running a ministry, if you're running a page for a small group, your youth group in your church, you're trying to grow, whatever that may be, um, you need to give a lot of thought to it. And that's what Jamie's seminar is on next, how to actually do all of that. And there's not a lot of training offered to Adventists to know. So we're posting stuff and no one even knows what we're doing. In fact, most of what we're posting is just going to our Adventist friends as opposed to our community for an evangelistic series, right, for health retreats or whatever. Like when you, when you have those different options, you can actually target and market to your geographical location. You can target based upon points of interest, right, whether it be health or something else, and, but you're going to have to pay to play. It's generally not a lot, though. Like these videos that I did, I think I spent $75 on the bad religion one, but I got a lot of organic growth out of it, which helped. I paid $75. We had like 14,500 views on Facebook. Um, but you just kind of have to for some stuff. It just depends, right? So if you're just John Q. Lay member and you're not really doing, I don't even think there's a lot you can do as a regular page. Most of that's built into actual pages, right? Not a personal profile. So it just depends um, on whether that's an investment worth making for you or not. 
If, if you're wanting to start a ministry, you're starting a blog, you're starting something else, then yeah, you need to have your website with the same content there, having it on YouTube, having it on your Facebook, and getting multiple traction points. And I think Jamie will deal with that too. Yeah. About the algorithms, um, I just happen to work for a company that does a lot of marketing, um, digital marketing and social media management. And a lot of times what bloggers and people who post on social media, especially Facebook, which is thirsty for money and that's why they do those algorithms, yeah. um, you have to focus on that, you know, if you want more people to, f to find out about it, that things like liking and sharing is one of the most successful ways people know about it because yeah. if someone shared it, the Facebook knows, okay, people liked it, right. I'll, I'm going to show it to their friends as well that yeah. they did it. Um, that's like a cheap way. Um, and then there is also like the paid way. Yeah, so you have to, you have to get a, a, some form of movement from friends, from people that you know, to get some traction to start. And organic growth is usually better than pay to play, but it's another option. But that's, it's the best option is to do it that way. Um, there's a question in the back and then one over here. We got just a couple minutes left. Hi. Um, my question put simply is how do you market towards like Sabbath school and like that kind of area and growth for like the youth and collegiate high school age? Can you repeat your question? Sorry, he had something that he was asking me. Um, how, how do you market for the youth collegiate high school group kind of for uh, like inviting them towards like Sabbath school and those kind of things? Um, you need to find what's going to have traction with the people you're around. Maybe you go to school with people or other things, and you just, it starts there, right? Person to person is far better than pay to play to find them. Um, so that would be my recommendation to start. If you're starting a small group, you're just starting a youth Sabbath school or whatever, create materials that are going to be engaging, right? They're going to be attractive to look at. Tell them where to go, why they should be there. You need a call to action in your posts, right? To invite them to respond. Have people that they know that are going to go, tell them, right? And multiple people invite them. It's another way to do it. Jasper had something real quick, and I'll get this question in the back. Um, it's a good question. The one, the one that uh, my brother was asking, it's about, uh, what was that again? About or, uh, Analytics and uh, stuff? Yeah, and all that kind of stuff, and how to grow your followers. I think it is important, and I'm going to talk about this in the afternoon. I think it's important for us to understand that when you love something and you stick to what you love, for example, photography and all that kind of stuff, and it is, it is important for us to train ourselves to do it and to excel in those things. I never had dreamed about having followers in my page, but you would see the difference if you do your best. Because yeah. most of the time when we post things, it's very haphazard, no preparation, all that kind of stuff. But I realized that when you prepare more about your photos or videos and you put thought about it, you actually gain confidence from people and they yeah. actually follow you. Uh, I find, find it out in my Facebook page. I don't want to make it as a page, but it's still just a normal page. So it has a friend limit. So it's already on the limit because there are actually people who would follow because they like your photos. Yeah. So if you want to start a ministry, always remember to win people's confidence. And that's what Christ did, right? So social media, it's very applicable. I once, I want to talk that, about that later, but I once had a, a video that got one million views. And, and because, not because I'm posting every day, but because I thought of it before posting it. Mm -hmm. And so if you have quality, 
and then it will result to people actually following your page. And I would suggest that if you want to make your page for your church, yeah. do something really great, and it will come up uh, to have people following you. Yeah. That's a super good point. I meant to have that in my slides. The excellence matters. If you're going to do it, do it well or don't do it. Because if you're assuming that just by putting something on Facebook, people will come, you're wrong. Um, they, they need to be won by what you're doing on Facebook. And if you do it excellently, it's going to be more prone to that. Everything Jasper's gotten has been organically. He hasn't paid for a single post. Just saying to be consistent. So, like on my like my own personal page, like I, I post a lot of like jokes and like funny things, and nothing's vulgar or sure. like disrespectful. So I wanted to know like how do you I guess balance like sure like with, I was trying to I just sort of show that you know we do have fun like, we do right have. yeah Adventism should be fun right so I, I came into the church as a non-Adventist into the church because there were people who made Adventism look like it wasn't a drag right. So, I mean, you need to have boundaries. Pray, pray as far as, you know, what boundaries you need to have on, on what you do or don't do. But you can be a normal person too, right? I'm not saying that, like, if you, if you don't only post Ella White in Scripture, you're not a Christian and, and you're, you're going to be lost or something. That's not what I'm saying at all, right? But what you do should be done excellently. And just keep in mind, based upon the influence that I want to have, is what I'm thinking of posting now going to affect that positively or negatively? That's kind of your filter. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean you can't be a normal person, right? I just posted a picture of Jasper flexing his muscles in front of our sign um, because I figured that would make people want to come to the seminar. Um, but so anyway, you can do that, right? Just be practical and lay that before God is whether that's appropriate or not and err on the side of caution if you need to. That would be my recommendation, right? Because if, if you start giving someone Bible studies and then you start teaching them principles that you didn't follow in your friendship with them, they're going to ask you, well, how come you don't do that, right? So just keep that in mind. You can be a fun, jovial person, no problem. Make Adventism look great. Hike your guts out. Take pictures of beautiful places. Family's fun. Friends have fun. No problem. But that, that would be my recommendation. Is that helpful? Okay. Has, has this been helpful? Is this some practical tools to think about? Yeah? There's more that could be said, but um, I'd like to have other people pitch in too. So Jamie's doing the next seminar. If you run an organization specifically or thinking of starting one, what she's going to be covering will be of the biggest importance on that. It's helpful for people, for anyone else too. But specifically, if you're on behalf of an organization, a ministry, something in your local church, and you're helping with social media stuff, this is super important, and I strongly recommend you come. Then Jasper's doing two, one this afternoon at the end of the day, uh, and then he's doing another one tomorrow on visual media, okay? And, and just his story of how he got into social media unintentionally just happened, right? And has actually had a lot of success in it. So let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for this privilege to have this time together. I just pray that these principles, these tools would be helpful and that you would help us to be better missionaries online. Uh, Lord, if there are things that I should not have said, may they forget. Uh, I pray that if there are things that still need to be shared, that you would inspire Jamie and Jasper. But I just pray that a hunger at least would be there to research, to know more, and to go forward. We love you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.